you're in the 2,000, 2,300 kilocalorie range. To me, that's normal for your size. Okay. So that means there's nothing wrong with metabolic rate? Thank God. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be really worried about you. Okay. All you've got to do is eat less... And if you're going to see that weight loss, you've got to eat around six to 800 calories less daily on average. But Carol's not giving up. If you actually get bogged down with thinking that if you eat nothing, you can't lose weight, you have to accept that that is a physical impossibility that will not be believed by any sensible person in the world. So exercise alone is not going to do it. It still has to be food restriction. Right. And that, that message has to be very clear. <sighs> oh. They sort of said that the weight is down to other factors, not just metabolic rate. Welcome to episode 20 of the Propane Fitness Podcast. Now, I've got a few genuine concerns that I've heard thrown around online, and I want you to see if you can find a common theme here. I'm not celiac, but gluten gives me severe gut inflammation. I've got adrenal fatigue. I avoid artificial sweeteners because they're carcinogenic. Um, chicken is bad because of the omega-3-6 ratio causing oxidative stress. I'm not anemic, but I have an iron and vitamin B12 deficiency. Protein raises your cortisol. Diet Coke is so neurotoxic that I would be slurring my speech if I had one right now. That's a direct quote. Corn-based xylitol compared to wheat-based xylitol, there's a huge difference there. One of them's toxic, the other one's not. Mycotoxins in coffee beans cause inflammation in the brain and reduce performance. Whey concentrate spikes insulin more than whey isolate. Blending your protein too much causes mechanical damage to the peptides and reduces the benefit. I'm not overweight or diabetic, but I have poor insulin sensitivity, as well as the widespread inflated numbers that we see of diagnoses of ADHD and polycystic ovaries, Asperger's, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, and those kind of um, diseases. So you probably found there isn't really a common theme between those things, unless you can find one that I'm missing here. But to me, this looks like a diffuse series of causes for apparent lack of performance or, or poor health. So there's no unified mechanism. And uh, even if there is, this is a lot of worrying about minutia. Now, to name a few powerlifters at the top of their weight categories, or you can substitute that with athletes of any sort that are considered the highest performing people um, within their within their slice of, of performance and ask them if any of those issues haunt them before they go to bed um, at night. You know, Eric Lillybridge, Lane Norton, Ed Cohen, Johnny Candito, Owen Hubbard, Steve Emanuel, Bryce Lewis. Send them all a private message and say, hey, do you ever worry about um, the cortisol-releasing effects of, of protein? So... Our opinion on this is that the these kind of subclinical conditions that people create about themselves are 
a way of externalizing the locus of control and um, a way to procrastinate and avoid the the real issues. And I think at the heart of it, uh, I mean, this is something that myself and Johnny both fell into. And uh, I think deep down, you know what the real solutions to your fat loss diet are or your or muscle gain or, or getting stronger or whatever. But it's nice to have that fantasy that there's something out there, which is the quick and easy solution to it all and that that's what's holding you back and the pharmaceutical industry don't want you to know i'm sure you've uh, seen my last podcast about that bear in mind i'm not saying that fibromyalgia pcos and adhd and things don't exist it's just that there are people who are being diagnosed or more likely self-diagnosing that just don't fit the criteria and that's what being a hypochondriac is and there there's probably some complex psychology uh, behind hypochondriasis, but my simple mind likes to boil things down to wanting a sense of identity through having a, a problem and a cross to bear all the time, a sense of control for thinking that we can fine-tune our blood lipid profile uh, without the hard work of, of losing weight, um, or wanting safety, you know, the, just the very visceral fear of death and holding on to this rope that there's some kind of solution out there that can make you immortal. And uh, in the words of Terence McKenna, we are sculpted into existence by the hand of death. Um, I quite like that. It's just like, this: the since you were born, you are just moving closer and closer to your death, and, and that's what creates the unfolding of life. So you can't really avoid it, and uh, everything you do is, is killing you in some way. Um, for us... For me and Johnny, we're we're quite obsessive kind of people, and uh, we were always looking for ways to optimize stuff, and it's, we just got stuck down the rabbit hole, um, and so that's why we're almost we have this like reactionary stance of just simplifying things always. So I'm not saying that all the things I mentioned above are total rubbish, but you can find what you're looking for if you do blood tests and if you keep going for scans and things. And I think actively going out and looking for these kind of health problems when you're asymptomatic is an unhealthy trail and it's a risky pursuit. Um, if you look for long enough, you're going to find or, or create something wrong um, through, just through the, the stress of looking for something. And uh, the same people that that usually have these kind of complaints and idiosyncrasies with what they can eat and what they can't tend to also have all kinds of physical issues that you'll hear them complain about and especially with the advent of the the new kind of mobility fad or wave um, that you see online and uh, there's a lot more on that in our podcast number 17 with Tom Feeney um, and it's really just the fact that you're you're not perfect and you're never going to be and the more you search for the imperfection the more attention you you give what you you give those imperfections and, and what you find and the more it expands in your consciousness and then eventually becomes that cross to bear. I'm reading a fascinating book by Dr. John Sarno at the moment who writes about chronic back pain and a diagnosis that he's come up with called tension myositis syndrome. Now I'm going to be writing an article on this soon so I'm going to cover it a bit more comprehensively but just as a quick overview he refers to some studies where pain-free individuals go in for a CT or an MRI scan 
which display some degree of disc bulge or mild scoliosis, which is the lateral curvature of the spine, or just some kind of anatomical quirks, but they're pain-free. And so he then um, contrasts that with his patients who have some back pain, and often they get referred for a scan, and these normal abnormalities show up. And then it's very easy for both the clinician and the patient to attribute their pain to that kind of disc bulge or, or that abnormality. And you know the clinician is looking to confirm their diagnosis, and, and so is the patient. And so he says often they'll be referred for surgery, which has a notoriously low rate of success when you do disc fusions, or they'll get sent off for physical therapy. And what he's observed is that often the abnormalities that show up in the scan couldn't explain the specific symptoms that the patient is experiencing. So if they've got pain in their right leg, it could be that um, the vertebral level that they appear to have a problem is a problem at doesn't innovate that leg. Um, and so what happens is they end up getting sent on another wild goose chase, paralyzed by rehab, and avoiding a lot of the stuff that they were previously able to do. And what happens is that even if there was some kind of structural degradation of the spine, by the time it heals up, the patient is so terrified of resuming their normal activities again that the threat perception and tension in their back keeps that pain and, and that problem into reality. Um, and it's often, you know, the healthcare or the fitness industry's fault out of good intentions telling you to avoid certain things. But it's the same pattern with... Um, all the stuff we've mentioned at the start. So it's becoming more and more apparent to me that the somatopsychic bond between the body and mind and the placebo effect are stronger than, than I thought. And this seems to be the case even when you're aware that it's a placebo. Now, this isn't woo-woo stuff. The, the brain can produce very replicable effects on the body. And the NHS actually did a write-up on a study using uh, placebo analgesic creams and uh, you can find, I'll, I'll include the link uh, in the description below and you can find some similar studies and what it shows is that the placebo effect as well as being statistically significant is based on prior conditioning so even after it's revealed that something was a placebo it's possible that even if after you've been told it's a lie you can still get the effects from it so if you're told that, for example, putting butter in your coffee um, makes you feel great, even after you find out that there may be nothing special about the butter that you've got and, and the, the special coffee that you have, it's still going to make you feel good. And you can test this out for yourself. For instance, the association of taking a pill is so strong, particularly if you've ever taken a medication or a recreational drug in the past that has had a direct and noticeable effect on you then your brain's learned to associate that taking this small white pill is going to have a physical effect. So you could take a bottle of sugar pills and write out something on it like memory enhancer or erection pills or something and see whether you're susceptible to the placebo effect. I'm going to read it again just so it sinks in. Diet Coke is so neurotoxic that I would be slurring my speech if I had one right now frightening reaction to Diet Coke if that's the case and it should be taken off the shelves or 
abused recreationally, we go down to the pub and get smashed on Diet Cokes. To me, that just looks like the placebo effect in action. And uh, the sweeteners in Diet Coke are some of the most researched compounds by the FDA. So I think it's very unlikely that something is slipping through the net there and uh, that individual is just the first to feel it. Um, unless he's got a severe congenital problem with processing it, um, then placebo effect. So I'd go as far as to say that worrying about all these things and building up this latent hypochondriasis and looking for what's wrong with you and what's dangerous about everything that you eat is more damaging than the actual things themselves. And you know, if you're going to be worrying about your cortisol, worrying about your cortisol is going to elevate your cortisol. And in our opinion, maybe these things do matter and maybe they have an effect, but we know for sure that calories, macronutrients, micronutrients, um, sleep quality, and total stress, which includes training and circumstantial stress as well, if you've got those things in order, then you're probably going to be okay. Some of the circumstantial stress might be unavoidable, uh, but we know we can help it along with yoga, meditation, family time, maybe not family time, but um, a lot of these spurious concerns just add to that. And to be able to take that back into your own control again, you can certainly reduce the stress once again. And it may be that worrying about the toxins in bread and then stopping bread removes that stress again. And so you feel better by virtue of just not being worried about bread anymore because you're not eating it rather than any kind of physical effect of the bread. Um, so yeah, a lot of these concerns, psychosomatic and relying on attitude, and even if there is some truth um, on a physical level to these things, um, someone who already has all of their bases covered I think if they were to fix all of these things and remove all toxins from their diet, I'd be interested to see what their objective changes would be and my money would be on them not noticing an effect from that. I've personally never seen someone who has all of the major bases covered and has no genuine disease that needs that level of fine-tuning in the hundreds of clients that we've managed. So things like insulin mismanagement and gut health will often be fixed by getting body fat and calories in order and uh, other things things like irritable bowel syndrome we know that there's an association between sexual abuse in the past and irritable bowel syndrome but the body's way of repressing complex emotions is too messy and requires psychotherapy and you can't fear monger that and bottle it up and sell it in a tin so that's everything from us this week. Let us know what you want to hear about next time and speak to you soon.